There's Kleenex. Good morning, Grace. Hey, a couple more quick invitations. I can't do it quite as uh, energetically as Kevin. I just signed up for women's Bible studies. He's so convincing. Anyway, thank you, Danny. I can always appreciate you laughing for my jokes. Uh, We are going to begin Revelation next week, and I want to encourage you to a few different opportunities. Uh, The journals that we had for Romans, we have the same type of journals for Revelation where you have a page of the text and then a page to take notes. Want to encourage you to get a journal. They're only $5. If you order them online, they're going to cost you a little bit more than that, so we're saving you some money buying it here. Um, I loved seeing, we sold, um, I think, four or 500 of these for Romans, and I'm sure we'll sell the same for Revelation. I love it when you bring them, take notes. Um, It's just a great way for you to help to retain uh, what we're teaching and so on. So get your journal. I also want to let you know that next Sunday at 7 o'clock, we are doing something called a Revelation Experience. Uh, We have a friend of grace uh, who has actually memorized the entire book of Revelation. I know, isn't that impressive? And uh, she's going to come and do a dramatic telling, reciting of the entire book. And we're going to sit in here and we are going to just absorb the book of Revelation. Revelation 1-3 says, blessed are those who hear this book. And so we're going to kind of experience Revelation the way the early church experienced it. Pre-literacy, this was a circular letter. It went out and someone actually memorized Revelation and took it to those churches. And so we're going to experience the way they experienced it. So I want you to come to that next Sunday. It will be uh, streamed as well. If you can't be here, I encourage you to get online. But here's my encouragement to you. Don't take notes. Don't bring your Bible. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not sure pastors ever said that, but... I'm going to get some emails. Doug said, don't bring your Bibles. Anyway, uh, just come and experience it. We're going to turn the lights down. It's going to be sort of a dramatic uh, telling of the book of Revelation, but that's uh, well worth being a part of. Uh, The other thing we're going to be doing is on Tuesday night, starting the 24th, uh, we're going to have a going deeper class. Um, So if you want to come to that, it's just an opportunity for us to dive into the same chapters that we've been uh, teaching and just going a little bit deeper. Sean Patton is going to lead that, but it's also a great way for you to connect in some small groups. I want to remind you that we have begun the uh, toy drive that we've been doing for the last few years in honor of Jake. Um, So we collect toys and then give these to Children's Hospital, and these are just used as encouragement for the kids that are going through some rough stuff. Uh, The best way this week to participate in this is to just go online, gracewire.com, go to events. The first header under events is going to be the toy drive, and on there, there's a way for you to give money, but there's also a way for you to click on the Amazon wish list and just buy the gifts directly, and then they'll be sent directly to the Pinars, who will then make sure they get here for the drive. And here's the deal. Grace is matching the first $5,000 of gifts and toys. If you just don't want to shop, you can just uh, also give there you know, financially, which is great. Uh, I would tell you that we can only take new uh, in the package toys just as a way of protecting the kids. So this isn't an opportunity for you to clean out your toy box and bring all those toys in, uh, but we need new toys, package toys, and you can see out there that we already got a, a good start on it, but let's get thousands and thousands of toys and bless the kids. We can do this? All right. So it's 2023. Anybody else, like, how did that happen? 
Yeah, it seems like just a couple years ago, we were all sitting in my living room, uh, wondering if the world was going to end for Y2K. Remember all that conversation? People had t-shirts, everybody bought a generator, we all stocked up in our... I remember my, uh, my dad, who's kind of a hillbilly, and Tony Simmerusti having this big argument in my living room about whether or not the world was going to end. The whole power grid was going to go down. It was quite amusing, actually, but that was a long time ago. It seems like yesterday, but it was a long time ago. Or how about this? How many of you remember when this song came out? <laughs> you remember. Any guesses? When did that song come out? Anybody know? Well, it can't come out in 1999 because tonight we're going to, yeah, they had, we had to have a little of a, you know, close. It came out on my birthday, which is October 27th. Everybody should write that down so you can send me presents. October 27th, 1982. And I remember when it came out and I remember thinking, 1999, that's never going to get here. That was 40. 41 years ago, that song came out. So I'm not saying all this to make you feel old, although some of you are feeling old, and I'm not saying this to make some of you feel young, because some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but it does kind of bring to, to light the fact that uh, life is but a blink, and our days certainly are numbered, and we really only have a finite number of days to make an impact for the kingdom. I want you to look at this verse from Ephesians Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 15 and the beginning of 16. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but it wise. Make the best use of the time. Pay attention to how you walk with God. Pay attention to what you digest, what you, what you take in, what you read, what you watch. Pay attention to every aspect of your life. Pay attention to your walk with God, right? Because... There's a limited amount of time. Make the best of the time that you have. Take your walk with Jesus seriously. And the question that that I want you to just think about this morning is, is how? How are we to make the best use of the time that God has given us? If you've been at Grace for very long, then you've heard me say the movement of God in your life always starts... Very good, with an invitation. The movement of God in your life always, always, always starts with an invitation. And the great news is God is always inviting. God is always moving. God is the initiator, and we are the responders to God's movement. Every Sunday, we pray that that God would move in the lives of the people who are here in this room, the people that are online, that, that they would have an interaction with the living God, and they would leave different than they came. We pray that seeds would be planted, that a word from God, we pray that that God would use the worship or God would use the teaching or God would even use an interaction between two people in the lobby, but that God would speak to each one of us, again, whether you're here or online, and then when God speaks, that we would respond, that those seeds would be planted, that they would have deep roots and that they would bear fruit. God is always inviting what we need to do is we need to learn how to hear the voice of God in our lives. How do we hear those invitations? John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. God speaks and our responsibility, our only responsibility is to to tune in, to learn how to hear the voice of God and to respond 
appropriately when we hear those invitations. So God speaks to us individually, but God speaks to us corporately as well. So we as elders, as leaders, as the core team, as those who are, are leading the church are, are praying, God, what are the invitations that you have for Grace Community Church? What are the invitations you have for us? What do you want us to do? What does it look like for us to be wise with the time that we have to impact the kingdom? And actually, this question and the, the what we hear from God, it gives focus to everything we do. It gives focus to the ministries that we have. It gives focus to what we're going to teach through. It gives focus to how we spend our budget. It's a question we ask when we think about having ministry partners. And so how do we, how do, we do the missions and mobilization, which you guys have been a big part of and, and done a great job of? This is the question that gives focus to everything that we do. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to share two of the invitations that we have heard corporately. And as I share those two invitations, you'll see that there's there's also an invitation for you to join us in those invitations. So that's what we're going to do this morning, but I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray in these next few minutes that you would uh, guide my words, that you would guide my thoughts. I do pray that a word from you would go forth and that it would touch the hearts of the people in this room, the people online. I pray that they would have an encounter with you that they would leave different than they came. Help us to be the church you've called us to be here on this corner. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When I first took the job as the lead pastor here, I'd been on staff for about 10 years. uh, And about eight years ago, I was invited to uh, uh, be the lead pastor. And I had just started as the lead pastor, and I was actually preaching a sermon right here on this stage. And while I was preaching, which is a little distracting, I felt very clearly the Lord said, I want this to be a church without curtains. Now, if you were here back then, we used to have curtains across the back of the wings, especially uh, with the idea of, of kind of forcing, if you will, everyone to come down and sit a little bit closer. The, the, the room was way too big for the number of people that were coming. And so those curtains were there to shrink the room. And so obviously, this is all going on in my head while I'm preaching. It's kind of scary if you were inside of my head when I'm preaching. But I'm thinking to myself, well, God, does that mean you want to grow the church? Right? A church without curtains. My immediately, I just thought, well, well, it means God wants to fill every seat. He wants to fill it to capacity. And he wants to get rid of the curtains. Right? And, and so uh, we began to ask ourselves if, if that's indeed what God was saying. And what we discovered is it really didn't have anything to do with growth. Now, God's not opposed to growth, and, and I'm glad that we've been seeing a steady growth, and I'm glad to see more seats filled. It's not that God, God didn't want that, but that isn't really what he was asking for. As we leaned into it, as we listened, we realized that a church without curtains is a church of radical authenticity, like a, a church where we can actually be who we are to one another, where we can be vulnerable with one another, where we can talk about our struggles with one another, a place where we can bring down the curtains and expose who we really are to one another. We often say a church without curtains is a church without pretense, radical authenticity. If you think about it, what is a curtain, right? A curtain is, is put up to, to hide something, to, to, to have something behind. Often a curtain is put up to keep the light out, right? And so there is this idea of, of being a people who are, who are not putting up curtains between one another. Here's the deal. Most of you, the majority of us, myself included, live with a lie. And this is the big lie. If people really knew me, 
they wouldn't love me. If people really knew who I was and who I am, they wouldn't love me. And when we buy into that lie, we immediately begin to put up false pretense. We begin to desire for people to see us for how we think they want us to be as opposed to who we are. And here's the scary thing. This affects every relationship. This affects even marriages where we can't be honest with each other and really reveal who we, who we really are, our, our friendships. It has this huge impact on who we are when we buy into this lie. But what if we as a church, what if we as a people were to discover that, that radical authenticity, that true vulnerability, true honesty actually begets community, right? That it actually fosters a greater level of connection and love for one another. And here's what I want you to see. The, this propensity to hide, it's just ingrained in our fallen nature. We, we inherit this from our fathers, from our mothers, from Adam, from Eve. You remember in the garden when Adam said, the first thing Adam and Eve do, they hide. Let me read it for you. This is Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. This is immediately following the fall. It says, And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They tried to hide themselves. It's not like God didn't know where they were. But the Lord God called to the man and said to them, Where are you? Again, not because he didn't know. But he was calling them out of hiding. And he, Adam, said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of being exposed. I was afraid. I was naked. And so I hid myself. And we have become a people who hide because we're afraid of being exposed for who we really are. We don't want our sins exposed. We don't want our struggles exposed. We we hide. But the good news is God comes, right? And God pursues us and God calls us out of hiding. He invites us into radical authenticity. God knows everything about you. You can try to hide from God, but God knows everything about you. He knows all of the good and all of the bad, and yet he loves you. He doesn't just love you. He loves you beyond your wildest imagination. God knows everything about you, yet he loves you beyond your wildest imagination. And he calls you into an honest, authentic relationship with him and with the people around you. And here's the deal. Until we learn to have this kind of honest relationship with God, a kind of relationship we actually see as we've studied through the Psalms the last few summers, you start to see this this raw honesty that David has with God. Until we learn to have that kind of authentic relationship with God, we're never going to have it with one another. Here's the universal truth. There is always a direct correlation. Listen, there is always a one-on-one direct correlation to the way you relate vertically and the way you relate horizontally or vice versa. So if you see people as a means to an end, if you see people as objects to be used to get what you want, 
you see God as an object to be used to get what you want. If, if you have a deep distrust of people, you'll have a deep distrust of God. If you really, if you really deep in your spirit uh, pull away from any kind of community or authenticity, you pull away from God. There is a direct one-to-one. Pay attention to how you're relating vertically, and it will clue you in to how you relate horizontally and vice versa. To be a church without curtains is to be honest, to be authentic about who we are to God and to one another. To share our victories, to share our struggles, to share our joys, to share our heartaches. You know, the Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. Now, we don't expect people to come to church and just throw up on each other and tell everybody your sins. You need to be in a, in, a, in a group of people. You need to be in a smaller group of people, people you can trust. But we're actually told to confess our sins to one another. That's part of the authenticity. Sixteen times just in the New Testament, we are told to love one another. How can you love one another if you don't actually know one another? Right? How, how can I bear your burdens and how can you bear my burdens if we're not in enough community where we share our burdens with one another? How can we speak the truth into one another's lives? Speak the truth, right? That's what the scriptures say. If we really don't know each other, if we, especially if we're living with false pretense, the truth is you can't teach or comfort or encourage or exhort or even pray well for one another unless we are living into this church without curtains, unless we are living true authenticity, a church without pretense. God is calling us to this as a church, and the only way it's going to happen is as we begin to take hold of it individually. This is actually one of the reasons why there's a lot of intentionality of just being honest up here. So if you've been here at Grace for very long, you've heard myself or Kevin or whoever the communicator is talk about their own struggles. You know, it's not uncommon for, for us to talk about where, where we're struggling in our marriage or where we're struggling. And there's times where I have to teach a passage of scripture and I know this is hard for me. Well, I'm going to say to you, this is hard for me because that's honesty, right? But that authenticity hopefully gives you the freedom to be authentic as well. So that's by design that we're going to that we're going to be authentic and we're going to share our own journey and our own struggles with you, even from the front, even when it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know if you guys remember, but Meg came up here to talk about the advent calendar and decided to tell everybody that we had really been struggling all week. Like, she didn't ask for permission. She just knows that we're allowed to do that, right? That we're going to be authentic and honest with each other and, and we're going to model something for you. The fact is, we all struggle with this. One of the passages that I go back to when I think about the authenticity is 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's by design. This is the Doug Kempton translation. We are all crackpots. Every one of us is a crackpot. And God designed it that way so that this amazing treasure that we have in us, the very spirit of God lives in us and lives through us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us, but it's in this broken vessel, right? So that we don't get to take, we don't have to dress it up. 
We don't have to pretend like we're something we're not. It's by design. We are broken, cracked pots that bring the power of God when we are honest and vulnerable about who we really are. We spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to dress up the crackpot, right? Trying to, to make ourselves look better than we need to. God is saying to Grace Community Church, I want this to be a church without curtains. And the invitation for you is to get plugged in. Get plugged into authentic community. It doesn't have to be a C group or D group. Maybe it is a C group or D group. Maybe that's the best place. Maybe the first step for you is to come to that night of the Revelation study where you can sit at the table and begin to get to know some people. Maybe you already have an inner circle of people that you can trust, but you need to begin to be more honest and authentic with them. Make sure you are connected in community that will foster this level of growth. I say this all the time. You cannot walk faithfully with Jesus in isolation. And you can be at church every Sunday. You can be in a D group and a C group and still be completely isolated. It's all about exposing who you really are. It's about bringing down the curtain. So the first invitation we heard as a church is, I want this to be a church without curtains, a church of radical authenticity. And the second invitation, we could do a whole series on invitations of what we've heard over the last decade from God. But the second one I want to talk about today is we are to foster a culture of prayer. And that means that everything we do is birthed in prayer, right? It's, it's covered in prayer and it's celebrated in prayer. And here's the deal. I've been on staff, like I said, for about 18 years. I've been going to Grace for 27 years. And it's not like the church has always prayed, right? We, we've always been a praying church, but but it's kind of like our prayers were a little bit more like pre-meal prayers. Can we just be honest for a minute? They're not really all that meaningful often. We just kind of feel like we need to pray, so we pray. Sometimes I'm just like, thanks for the food. Let's eat. Right? I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like, there isn't a lot of passion in heart. But I can tell you something. If you go on a mission trip, a short-term mission trip with us, which I hope sometime you get a chance to do, and you're in a third-world country and you don't know where the food was prepared the pre-meal prayer takes on new meaning. <laughs> right, Lord? I have no idea what this is. It doesn't even look familiar. But I want to offend my host, and we're going to eat this, so would you please do something? Or imagine if you hadn't eaten for a couple days how different your pre-meal prayer is going to be. Or if you didn't know where your next meal was going to come from, it's going to change the way you pray. When you know how desperate you are for God, your prayers change. We went on a mission trip a few years ago to Guatemala, and we were visiting a very small, uh, impoverished village. And really, the vast majority of the people in that village had waterborne digestive issues. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, know what I'm talking about. Not a good thing. It was a Sunday. We were going to uh, meet the whole church community, the, the Christians in that community at the church. And as we're walking up to the church building, I see on the side of the building that they're pumping water out of the ground into pictures and they're putting Kool-Aid in the pictures because today is communion. And so I immediately began to worry about what's going to happen when we get to the communion. And sure enough, we get to the communion part of the service and everybody gets a Dixie cup. Now, they don't have those little thimbles like we use, but it's a 
Dixie cup doesn't sound like much until you know what's in it, right? But it's a Dixie cup full of Kool-Aid that had just been pumped out of the ground where we're there to help them think about clean water. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I'm responsible for this whole team. So I lean over to the missionary that we're with, our host, and I said, what should we do? And he said, pray. (laughs) I was hoping for a different answer, like, And I prayed. I prayed. (laughs) I mean, I prayed like, God, you got to do something here. Like, you got to clean this water. You got to do something because we're about to just, yeah, this isn't going to be good unless you do something. And we all took communion and none of us got sick. Now, here's the deal I'm not saying that like, ooh, miracle of all miracles. I'm telling you, I prayed. Because I knew how desperate I was for God to show up. And my prayers changed. If we knew how desperate we are for God, it would change the way we pray as a church, as a people. Here's the point. God wants to foster a culture of prayer. And he wants us to realize how desperate we are for him. But it's never going to happen if it's just the leaders of grace. It's never going to happen until you join us in the many prayer initiatives that are happening around here. Let me talk about some of those initiatives. We have pre-service prayer. It started after we heard this invitation. One of the first things we did is we need pre-service prayer. So a half hour before each service. So at uh, 9.30... What do we have at 9 and 11? What are the times I said? Thank you. 8.30, we meet in the chapel. Or at 10.30, we meet in the chapel. Half hour before the service. We pray for about 15 minutes so people have time to come back out and get their coffee and get their kids settled in the, into the service. And we, what do we pray? We pray for the service. We pray that God would move and we listen. So you're going to hear at the end of the service some of the things we heard in that listening prayer. But we pray. And here's the deal. Sometimes we have as many as seven, eight people show up for that. But sometimes there's only one person in there. I don't think we've quite got the idea of a culture of prayer. What would happen if 50 of us showed up in that room? If 100 people were in that room? What if you just set your alarm and came a half hour earlier so that you could be a part of prayer? Maybe you're saying, well, I got kids. I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Bring your kids. Let them see us dependent on God showing up so they know this is a spiritual thing that happens on Sunday morning. Right, so pre-service prayer. My dream has been since the day we started that there would be 50 to 100 people every Sunday that show up, and I believe it would radically change our church. So maybe that's one of the things, ways you can join us. We have post-service prayer. If you are a prayerful person, if you already just have know that God's giving you the gift of intercessory prayer, you love praying over people and for people, we need you on the team. We need you to be willing to come and be down here, down front when we invite people down to pray for them, to pray over them, to pray over their marriages, to pray for physical healing, to pray for spiritual healing. So the post-service prayer, great place for you to get plugged in. There's a group of people that meet here every Wednesday night and pray at seven o'clock. They pray for me. They pray for the leadership of the church. They pray for our ministry partners great place for you to step in and be a part of the prayer ministry. We have something called restorative prayer. Maybe you'd like to be trained how to be one of those people in restorative prayer. Basically, that's where two people who are trained meet with one person and pray with them and for them in a guided sort of way, helping them to find healing through those prayers. Restorative prayer is a great way to plug in. But, But 
how, how is God inviting you? The movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. Which one of these initiatives is a good place for you to join in at Grace to further develop this culture of prayer? Something else that we've put into place, and I always feel a little embarrassed when I talk about this, like, why didn't we always have this? But every ministry at Grace is required to have a ministry prayer team. So if you're student ministries, you have a group of people who are praying for student ministries, right? Maybe you have a heart for students, but you don't have time to be a small group leader. Call Kevin and say, can I be on your ministry prayer team? Or maybe you love children and you want to be on the children's ministry prayer team. Call Lakeisha and say, can I be a part of that group that's praying for our little people on a regular basis? Or, or even like First Impressions has a ministry prayer team. Every ministry at Grace is required to have a ministry prayer team. Maybe you could plug into that. We're doing a thing called Revival Nights three or four times a year where we just have an extended time of worship and prayer trying to advance and, and further this culture of prayer. So on the 22nd, you can come to that and be a part of one of the Revival Nights. So there's all kinds of ways for you to plug in, but, but I want to ask everyone to consider accepting the invitation to join me in what I'm calling the 90-Day Prayer Challenge. 90-Day Prayer Challenge. And here's the way it works. Don't get ahead of me. Here's the way it works. I'm asking you to pray for 90 days every day for a person or a group of people by name. A person or a group of people by name. So for instance, husbands, I'm asking you to consider praying for your wife every day for 90 days. Every day. For 90 days. And some people are like, I already pray for my wife. I guess what I pray for my wife too, but I don't know that I pray every day. Right? There are days that, that I miss it. Right? Every day. Wives, pray for your husband. So here's the deal. I'm going to walk through these different things. I'm going to explain how this works. I don't, I don't want you to sign up yet. I just want you to hear it. So we got a group for husbands and wives. If you pay attention, I have a group. I have something for everyone. You could be in junior high, and there's a list up here for you. You can be married. There's some up here for you. You could be single. There's some up for you. So we got the husbands praying for wives. We got wives praying for husbands. If you have children, uh, by that I mean younger children, if you are influencing younger children, you may be a teacher. You may be uh, one of the teachers here at Grace. You may be an aunt an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa, a grandparent, whatever it is, uh, this is for you. So you would text children and we will uh, connect with you there. Uh, I love the friends idea. This was the idea that if you are in high school, junior high, if you are part of a, the youth group or you have a group of friends at school that you're tight with, uh, that you would actually write those people's names down and you would pray for them for 90 days every day by name. You get this, so maybe you're part of Young Life. Maybe it's your small group here at Grace or your, or your Young Life group, and you're praying for your leader and those people in your group, praying for them every day. And here's the deal. Parents, you could even do this with your younger kids that you're praying for. Pick four or five of their classmates and say, for the next 90 days before you go to school, we're going to pray for Betty and Andrea and Bud. You know what I mean? Pick the names and pray for them, okay? So that's the friends. Uh, I love this one. This one actually was one that um, Karen brought to me, but adult kids, those of us like myself who are now parenting adult children, the prayers are different. So if you have adult children and you want to be part of that group, then you would just text adult kids. And then the last one is for the adults who have 
uh, an inner circle. Maybe it's your D group, maybe it's your C group, or maybe it's just whoever that inner circle of people are that you're walking with authentically, uh, that you would pray for them. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. I'm going to walk through the instructions one more time. Same number for each of these groups. You can do more than one group, but I encourage you not to do all five. Matt taught us last week that it's okay to start small. So maybe you only do one or two uh, groups. I'm going to end up doing a couple groups because I want to pray for my grandkids. I want to pray for my wife better. And so I'll do those two groups. And here's the deal. Once you sign up, you have to sign up for them individually. So you can't just type all of these words in. You have to do it one at a time. Same number each time. Uh, you have to be careful with the adult kids because your autocorrect's going to want to put a space in there. And there can't be a space in there. It has to be one word. It doesn't have to be all caps. Um, but we'll just give you a couple minutes and you can sign up for whatever groups you want. If you sign up for the husbands praying for wives, I'm going to text you every Monday and say, thank you for agreeing to pray for your wife. So, you're, so A, you'll remember a little bit of encouragement, and then I will actually say, here's maybe two or three ways you can pray. If you do the wives praying for husband, Meg's going to text you. If you do the children, uh, Lakeisha's going to text you. If you do the friends, Kevin's going to text you. Adult kids, Karen Can is going to text you. And if it's groups, then Tekendria is going to text you. Again, if you sign up for three of these groups, you're going to get three different texts beginning of the week, which that's all we're going to do. We're just going to text you once a week. We don't want to overwhelm you. But if that just reminds you, oh, yeah. And if you fall away, then... Get back at it and start praying for them every day. So I'm going to give you a minute uh, to do that. Uh, maybe I won't even give you a whole minute. Just so you know, when you leave, uh, we also have some cards uh, that if you just don't have time to do it or you can't figure it out, you can always grab a card and do it. So make sense? All right. Let the music play. Okay, again, uh, we'll give you some cards on your way out if you need it. I'll put this back up in just a couple minutes. You can leave it up right now until I get to some of the slides. I want to just talk for a couple minutes about what's going to happen. If you commit to the 90-day prayer challenge, what's going to happen? And the first thing that's going to happen is your heart is going to change. Penny Blum taught me this a long time ago, that when you commit to praying for somebody and you pray for them regularly, you will fall in love with them. She actually used to say, we deny ourselves an opportunity to fall in love with each other when we're not obedient to pray for one another. 
And it's true. I was talking to Jessica Shashaki this week about the service and what we were doing, and she said that she read the book, The Power of a Praying Wife. There's a whole series of books by Stormiel Martin. Um, I'm actually reading The Power of a Praying Husband, but she read The Power of a Praying Wife. They have a power of praying parent. They have a power of praying for adult children. She has a whole series of these. They're worth getting if you're fitting into one of these groups and you want a little bit more information or just some, you know, some guidance of how to pray. But she said, I was reading The Power of a Praying Wife. And so I started praying for Gary, her husband. And she said, I, I loved him. But all of a sudden, I found, like, I loved him more. Like, my heart really softened up. And, and, and I had this. So here's the deal. When you pray for somebody, you fall in love. So do you want to love your husband better? Pray for him every day. You want to love your wife better or more? Pray for her every day. You want to actually love your kids better or more? Pray for them by name every day. Again, some of you are saying, I already pray. Do you really pray for that person every day? Intentional prayers. So pray. You've got a group of friends. You want to really grow deeper and, and actually live into this idea of a, a church without curtains. Start with prayer. If you really want to love God and love people, the, the key, the catalyst is in prayer. A second thing that's going to happen is things are going to change. Things are going to change. Look at what James 5.16 says. 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Guess what? That's radical authenticity. That's a church without curtains. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Healed how? Healed spiritually? Healed physically? Healed relationally? Yeah. Yeah, all of the above. As we live in radical authenticity, as we actually live out being a church without curtains, and we pray for one another, we're healed. Why is that? Because the prayer of a righteous person, if you know Jesus, that's you, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. There's power in your prayers for your kids. There's power in your prayers for your, your friends. There's power in your prayers for your wife. There's power in your prayers for your husband. God is calling us as a church to, to foster a culture of prayer. And it's not going to just happen. We have to practice prayer. We have to practice the spiritual discipline. I have this conversation often, actually, where people say to me, I'm just not very good at praying. And here's a universal truth. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly. No one ever became a concert pianist without really being bad at playing the piano when they started. Right? No one starts as an expert. So it's worth doing something in order to grow and learn and to become good at it. But you're never going to become good at it unless you practice it. So maybe this is your 90 days to practice the discipline of prayer and grow in your understanding of prayer. Grow in your abilities to pray. Grow in your effectiveness in prayer. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly so that you can grow, so that you can become better and better. I think, you know, we, we've been talking for the last couple of years about God is doing something. Like there's a there's a revival happening in this church and around this community. There's something going on, and I think this is the next step for us, that we would learn to really lean in and, and, and have a culture of prayer where we're really lifting each other up, where we begin to see God do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. 
according to the power of the Spirit at work within us. So I'm asking you to take up the 90-day challenge. Uh, We can put the list back up. That would be great. So if you want to still sign up for that, you can. I'm going to pray for us, and then I just want to kind of close everything up with just some of the things that are going to be going on. Lord, thank you. Uh, Thank you for the way you have invited us as a church to go deeper. Thank you for... uh, while it was confusing, the clarity is there now for, for saying you want us to be a church without curtains. The call to radical authenticity, something that we have to go back to over and over. I have to go back to over and over in my relationship with Meg and my relationship with this group of people. Help us to be authentic. And Lord, thank you for inviting us into a culture of prayer pray that we would receive those invitations and that we would respond appropriately. Again, I ask that you would do more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power of the spirit that's in us. Just a bunch of crackpots. Ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a reminder, we're going to start Revelation next week. So you're going to want to get your journals today. $5 at the information counter. There's a few books that we have pulled from the library on prayer and put on a kiosk in front of the lending library. So if you want to get some books on prayer, encourage you if you want to order the Stormy O'Martin books on prayer. They're really quite helpful. Uh, What else do I need to tell you? Make sure you plan on coming to the Revelation experience uh, next week. Love for you to be a part of the Tuesday Going Deeper group. That's going to happen Uh, starting on the 24th. So if you just want a place where you can dive a little bit deeper in Revelation, uh, you can do that as well. If you have questions about small group, D group, C group, uh, groups in general, just go up the steps right on the right to Kendra's there. If you have questions about any of the prayer initiatives I talked about, we actually have a kiosk today on prayer. You can just go up the steps to the right, right to the left, or to the left of the Christmas tree. And there's some people up there that can talk to you about the prayer initiatives as well. Thank you for being here today. I hope you're excited about Revelation. I certainly am. Come back next week as we jump into Revelation.